My goodness gracious, thank you so much. Thank you, Maynard, Jennifer, thank our choir, thank all of you for taking part, our praise team, and I pray that those of you at home have worshipped, and so thank you uh, for taking part in worship this morning. If you brought your Bibles, we're going to be looking at uh, the, the book of John, uh, familiar passage, John chapter 14, and then we'll, we'll look at... Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and again, uh, <clears throat> this was not what I intended to preach, and the Lord uh, changed this morning, or last night late, and so uh, anyway, I'll get to the others later. But I want to share with you this morning, waiting for the rapture, waiting for the rapture. Let's have a word of prayer together. Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to come and worship you, and and Father, for what we felt in our heart and our spirit, and Lord, thank you for your presence here this morning. Thank you, Lord, and I, I, I pray this morning you will be glorified, Lord, as we've worshipped from our heart and spirit and in truth. Thank you for what you're going to do in this time together as we open your word and we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. First thing I'd like to do is kindly introduce this by sharing with you um, uh, some scripture and then I have a couple of timelines that would be good for you to, to know. And I'll be dealing with these timelines a little later on when we talk about the covenants and working on a study on, on biblical covenants. We'll be dealing with seven and primarily the Abrahamic covenant. And really I've come to understand that you really have a problem understanding your Bible or the Word of God, unless you understand these covenants. And so uh, pray for me as I prepare, and, and I pray that God will use these uh, as we continue to, to learn more and be discipled um, in, in His Word. You know, it's not surprising that God has the authority, and He also has the right uh, to have secrets. God has secrets. And God also not only has the right to have secrets, but he also has the right to reveal secrets. There's things God keeps secrets, uh, keeps secret. And then there's times he reveals secret, uh, secrets. And so I want to share Deuteronomy chapter 29. I want to look at verse 29 to kindly make that point, that God has the right to, to have secrets, but also to reveal secrets. Deuteronomy 29, verse 29, The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. So God has secrets, and sometimes He chooses to reveal those secrets. And so the first slide I want to show you this morning, if you'll look up here just for a moment. Uh, the first slide, I think uh, Kenny has it, is a timeline of Old Testament prophecy. Old Testament prophecy. And you'll see it goes all the way from Adam, there on your left, goes from Adam, and it goes all the way to the right to eternity. Now you'll notice the flood and Babylon, Abraham, Moses, Law, David, Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. And then you have the crucifixion. Then you have the ascension, seven years of tribulation, thousand years 
uh, of kingdom, kingdom reign. Now that's all that the Old Testament prophecies saw. That's what they prophesied. So after the crucifixion, you had the, you had the ascension, after he was raised from the dead, you had the ascension there on the Mount of Olives, uh, on the Mount of Ascension. And then you have, after that, you had the seven years tribulation and then the thousand years of the kingdom. That's the only thing that the Old Testament uh, prophets, prophets prophesied. Now, you can see something missing there. If you look at slide two, slide two, you'll see the New Testament. And then uh, the New Testament, quite different. You have a different dispensation, a different period. You have Adam all the way to eternity. But then right after the cross, you have the ascension. And then you have Paul's revelation of the mysteries. And one mystery that Paul revealed was what? It was the church. And so for the first 2,000 years, brought us to the ascension. And then we've been in the next 2,000 years up until day, which is the church age, or which is the age of grace. But those, the early, the Old Testament, uh, all the prophets of the Old Testament was not, uh, was not aware that there was going to be a 2,000, at least a 2,000-year period there that uh, was going to be called the church age or a period of grace. And after this period is over with, then you see the seven years of tribulation. After the period is over with, how's it over with? You have the rapture of the church, church going up, Christ coming to the upper atmosphere of the earth, and then you have the church going up, and then after the church goes up, you have seven years of tribulation, and after that seven years tribulation, then you have Christ coming back, second coming back, and then you have a thousand years of kingdom reign, and then you have eternity. But what I want you to see is the Old Testament knew nothing about the church age or the period that we're in right now. So we're blessed to live in the church age, this grace age. The point is, after the Jews rejected their Messiah, Jesus Christ, uh, and failed in their mission to be a blessing to all nations. That's what their, that's what their mission was. To, Abraham was going to, his, his, uh, all of his children and children beyond children would be a blessing to, to all nations. And after they failed in that, appointed nations back to their God, then God appointed the Apostle Paul to be the Apostle to the Gentiles and to preach salvation by grace through faith to the Gentiles. But when the rapture occurs, uh, the calling out of the body of Christ, the church, the church age, when the church age, when the rapture occurs, the church age is going to end, and God's going to call us up, and then that timeline's going to begin again after we leave here with that tribulation, which is primarily for the Jew. And so this morning, I want to share a sermon that I've entitled, <clears throat> Waiting for the Rapture. That's what we're doing right now. We're waiting. There's nothing else that's supposed to be fulfilled. All things are ready for Christ to come back uh, and, and rapture the body of Christ. All things are ready, and we're waiting for the rapture. Now, we're waiting for the rapture, but let me ask you this. Are you ready for the rapture? Are you ready for the rapture? And so look, if you will, at John chapter 14. We'll look at John 14, put it all together, and I'm going to have to, you're going to have to listen quick. John 14, look at verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. 
You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, then I'll come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said, Lord, Lord, do we, not, do we not know where you're going? How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. Now, if you would, look at 1 Thessalonians. Another familiar passage as we think about waiting for the rapture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus, those who have died in Christ. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means prevent them who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up. Now you need to underline, called up. Shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Jesus Christ is shared with his disciples in John chapter 14, 1 through 6, and Paul shares in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Jesus Christ shared that one day he'd be coming again to gather his, to gather his followers and the dead and the living to be with him forever and forever and forever. And so we need to remember this morning, at any moment the Lord Jesus could come again and we need to be ready. And so we're waiting for the rapture, but are you ready for the rapture? You know, years ago I shared an example, and it's fitting right now. Have you ever, you ever thought about what it'd be like to be an astronaut? How exciting it would be to climb aboard a, a rocket and sit in a capsule and all of a sudden be, be blasted off toward space or headed toward the moon, just climbing out into that dark blue yonder with just a trail of flames, and then later on perhaps a vapor trail behind you, and you're sitting up there in that capsule. Can you imagine what it would be like to ride something like that? Or can you imagine what it would be like just to step out on the moon? And that happened July the 20th, 1969, about 54 years ago. About 54 years ago, Neil Armstrong, that's not Neil up there, that's Jim Irwin, but he also did the same thing in 1971. Uh, you have Armstrong, Neil Armstrong was the first, but in 1971, you have uh, uh, Jim Irwin, he stepped out on the moon in 1971. And I can't, I, you know, that would be amazing just to think what it'd be like to ride the spacecraft, but then to step out and walk on the moon. But how exciting those rockets and moonwalks and space shuttles and space stations sound there's something more spectacular waiting for those who are in Christ, who've trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life. 
God's Word says in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love Him. Listen, friend, the highest flight that you've ever taken in your life is yet to come if you're a believer. We're going out of this place. Christ is coming back after us. And when He returns, He's returning for His followers. Now, Jesus Christ will return for his people, and that's the rapture, and Jesus Christ one day will return with his people, and that's the second coming. That's going to come a little later. But Jesus is coming. And we know this because the main prophecy is being fulfilled, uh, started being fulfilled in 1948 when Israel began to move back into their homeland. They became a state, a recognizable state, and uh, all, we're told that since 1967, uh, when the Jews first came into their homeland, there's over 3,000 Jews moving back into Israel per day, per day, coming back. And that's a major prophecy that one day, when that's completed, uh, we'll have the return of Christ, the second return. But until then, we're waiting for the rapture. So first of all, if you're taking notes, you have a promised event, John 14, 3. He just simply says, I will come again. That's a promise, and he doesn't break promises. So the next great event on the prophetic calendar now is Jesus Christ is coming back for his church. It could happen any minute. Nothing else needs to be, uh, no, no certain miracles, nothing, no signs are to be completed for the rapture. It's, it's all ready. We're just waiting on him. And so the next thing on the prophetic calendar is the coming of Christ. And you might say this is, this is imminent. Um, it's referred to in the theological circles as the rapture, where the church of Jesus Christ will be joined to her great bridegroom, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And that's called, referred to as the rapture. Now, what's the purpose of the return of Christ? Well, he told us in those verses in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, to raise the righteous dead from Adam to the time of his coming. Going to raise those. Going to transform those that are living at that time and they'll have glorified bodies as well as those who have died. Their bodies will be likened to Christ also. And then he's going to transport the, those that were dead. They're going up first and then we which are alive, and I believe I will be and still believe that, and I'm going to be raised I follow those that were dead. I'm going to be raised afterwards. I'm going to follow them. And we're going to be with Jesus forever. In other words, Jesus is coming from heaven into the atmosphere of the earth to take the church with him back to heaven. And it can take place any moment. Any moment. So, you know, before that space shuttle takes off, there's a, there's a countdown. You know, 10, 9, 8, all the way down to zero. Then it lifts up lifts off. Well, the countdown started for the rapture back in, um, I think it's Acts chapter 1, verse 11, when the Bible says, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you've seen them to go into heaven. So Jesus is coming again. We're just waiting. God's word is sure. It doesn't, ma doesn't matter if you agree with it doesn't matter if you obey it or you ridicule it. It's true. It's going to take place. We're waiting for that to happen now. 
Isaiah 40 verse 8 says, The grass will wither, the flower fades, but my word will live forever. So by God's word, he created the heavens and the earth. By God's word, Abraham left Haran. By God's word, the earth was destroyed by water. By God's word, plagues came upon Egypt. By God's word, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. And that same word says, I'll come again. I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you'll be also. So you have a promised event. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Now, are you ready? I know we're waiting, but are you ready for that to happen? Now, secondly, notice there's a place prepared. Place prepared. Verse 3, verse 3 in John chapter 14. He says, if I go away, I'll prepare a place for you and come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there, be, there you'll be also. So you have a, a promised event, but you have a place prepared. We're told in Acts chapter 1, verse 11, that Jesus ascended to heaven, he'll come back from heaven, and we'll go back to heaven with him. Now, we're going to heaven. He's coming from heaven, we're going back to heaven. So that brings up a question, where's heaven? Where's heaven? Well, heaven is up. That's the way he ascended. He ascended, didn't descend. He, he ascended into heaven, there from the, the Mount of Transfiguration. So where is heaven? Now, the Jehovah's Witnesses say, they say heaven is the earth, but that's not heaven. He ascended up. Uh, the Christian science say that heaven is harmony. That's, that's heaven. You're in harmony with yourself, in harmony with others, and in harmony with the world. You're, you're in heaven. The Mormon says there's three heavens. There's this celestial heaven, that's for the heathen, and you have the terrestrial heaven, that's Christians who reject the Mormon belief, and then you have the celestial heaven, and that's the highest heaven, that's the heaven of Godhood. That's, that's where the Mormons go. They, they reach Godhood. They reach the celestial heaven. But God has allowed Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 14, to kindly give us an idea where heaven is. And so let's look just a moment at Isaiah 14. Look at verse 12, and we'll see where heaven is. How you are fallen from heaven. He's speaking of Lucifer, the devil. How are you fallen from heaven? So Lucifer one time was in heaven. He wasn't on earth. He's in heaven. He fell to earth. Oh, Lucifer, son of the morning, how, would you, how you are cut down to the ground, you who are weak, for the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. I will send above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. And so he says, I'm going to ascend into heaven. I'll exalt my throne above the stars of of God, verse 13, he kind of localizes heaven as above the earth in line with the axis of the earth above the north pole beyond the farthest star. He said that's where heaven is. He's going above heaven. You know, scientists tell us, they have, they have uh, astrologers tell us, scientists also, they've looked and they've seen stars that are 500 million light years away. That we have instruments can detect stars 500 million light years away. That means that it takes light from both stars traveling at 186,000 miles per second 
500 million years to get here. And so how far is that star, the farthest star that they can see, how far is that from the earth? Well, you take 500 million times 60 seconds times 60 million times 24 hours times 365 days times 160, 186,000 miles per second, you get 26 trillion, 932 quintillion, 848 quadrillion miles away. Now, I didn't figure that. I just looked it up. But that's, that's a long, long way. And it says that heaven is further than that. Heaven is beyond that father's star. Heaven is up. Job 38 said the angels, verse 7, said the angels shouted for joy when they saw the universe come into existence. So you have this promised event, you have this place prepared, and then you have, and I'm going to close with this, you have this powerful departure. That's the rapture. This powerful departure. John 14, verse 3, he says, I'll come back and I'll receive you unto myself. So if you're taking notes, first you have that word receive. I'll receive you. So John uses the word receive. And that word receive is where we get the, the English word rapture. I'll receive you unto me. Okay. But 1 Thessalonians uses another word. Uh, chapter 4, verse 17 says, Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So you have called up, the be part of that. You have called up. Now, you have three distinct meanings of called up. And I will mention those real quick. What does it mean? Now, to receive means to rapture. It means snatch away. It means to call away. It means to go up. But called up is more forceful than the word receive. Okay, just keep that in mind. So I'm going to give you three distinct meanings of that called up. First of all, called up, it means to, to carry off by force. To carry off by force. You know, this rocket, a rocket has this, this uh, propellant and a substance that produces this thrust that just shoves that rocket and keeps shoving that rocket, keeps shoving that rocket until it gets uh, out of the Earth's atmosphere and it's in space. And so that rocket has this propellant and Jesus will descend just above the earth and Satan and his kingdom of demons, they occupy the lower atmosphere of the earth. The Bible says he's the prince and power of the air. And so why do the demons occupy just this, at, this upper atmosphere of the earth? Why do they do that? Well, first of all, where they can prey on Christians where they can P-R-E-Y, where they can prey on Christians, where they can attempt to disrupt the work of the church. That's why they're hanging around. The attempt to keep the unsaved from being saved, that's why they're hanging around there. Or they're trying to isolate the church from heaven. So you have, you have this, this area of demons and Satan, and he's the, the prince of the air, and they're, they're above the earth, and that that atmospheric place there, and heaven's up above that. But there's kind of like between us and heaven. But one day, we're going to be taken with he to heaven with such power and such thrust that we're going to burst through the kingdom of devil, 
against all the devil's powers and all the demon's powers. We're going to burst right through that. So called up simply means to be carried up by force. That's one meaning of it. We're going through that area. Wide open, fast, we're going. Hebrews 1, uh, Hebrews 1, 9, uh, I'm sorry, uh, 1 Thessalonians 9 through 10. Uh, well, let me mention this before I go there. That word harpazo, carried off before us, let me give you another one real quick. It's uh, to rescue from danger. That means to rescue from danger. Now, some folks think that we're going to, we're going to have to experience uh, tribulation before we get to heaven. Now, um, uh, I'm, I'm a pre-trib person. I believe that we're going to be taken out of here before, before the tribulation. And I believe the timeline shows that. Some people think we're going to have to go through the tribulation. And they get that verse, you know, in this world you'll have tribulation, but be a good cheer, we've overcome the world. But we're talking about the great tribulation. You know, we're not going to experience the great tribulation. So those who are left behind are going to go through this terrible time known as the great tribulation. But as far as us, we're going to be with the Lord before all that starts. And so First Thessalonians, look back there real quick to chapter 1. I'm going to give you a scripture. Chapter 1 and verse 9 and 10, it says, For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you, Paul speaking to the Thessalonian church, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. You've made that decision to turn from God, I mean, turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Verse 10, And to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He has raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. And so don't think for a moment we're going to be here during the Great Tribulation. We're going to go out. We're going to go out with the rapture. And so we're going to be carried up by force. We're going to be rescued from danger and destruction. And then we're going to be transferred, transferred swiftly from one place to another. Um, it's not going to take 500 million light years for us to get to heaven. We'll be there just like a blink of an eye or quicker. We'll be, we'll be in heaven. We'll be in heaven before you know it. So you have this promised event, I'll come again. The place prepared, where is it? Heaven. Then you have this powerful departure. We're called up. We're going to, we're called up. We're going to be carried up by force. We're going to be rescued from danger and destruction. And we're going to be transferred swiftly. We'll be there before we know it. Unhindered by Satan. Rescued from danger and destruction. Transferred swiftly. I'm excited about Jesus Christ coming. I pray that he comes today, sometime today. I'm ready to go. I hope you're ready to go. We're waiting. We're ready. Are you ready to go on that trip? You don't want to miss that trip. It's going, to be some time, it's going to be one more type of liftoff. I tell you, we're going to be leaving this old world. So the question is, are you ready? Remember the song we sung this morning, Some glad morning when this life is o'er, I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. When the shadows of this life have grown, I'll fly away like a bird from prison bars have flown. Just a few more weary days and then I'll fly away to a land where joy shall never end. This may be the day that he comes back. This may be the day. Today. I'm not trying to scare anyone. I'm just wanting to make sure 
that you prepare for that trip by trusting Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. Jesus is coming. The Lord's going to appear. The Lord's going to shout. The archangel will speak. A trumpet will blast. The dead in Christ will rise first. Believers will ascend. We'll meet the Lord in the air. And we'll be forever with the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity to share this morning. And Father, talk about... Talk about something that we're waiting for, and that's the rapture, the snatching away, being called up, Lord, to be with you. And Father, I know I didn't do this justice, but Lord, I know your word is sure, and I know it's going to come about. And I pray for every person here this morning that when we go up, every person here today will be in that number. My goodness, Lord. I pray that you'll speak to the hearts of those that are here and never been saved. And I pray today they'll humble their heart and say, Lord Jesus, I want to go on that trip. I pray, Lord, that you'll forgive me of my sins and that you come into my life and save me. And I turn to you, Lord, and nothing else and no one else. And I trust you and only you for my salvation. Please forgive me. Please come in my heart, my life, and forgive me, Lord, and I will give my life to you. Till the day you come after me, or the day you call me home through death. And Lord, I pray for every person here today. And thank you for what you're going to do in our time of invitation. Your invitation. Speak to people's hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Here. Here. And I received a little book from him um, in 1972. And uh, he started a ministry after he went to the moon, came back. And uh, this is just a little paraphrased Bible. It's worn, came, it's come apart. But anyway, he autographed the front of it. And I went to an M night mobilization for discipleship training when I lived in Tuscaloosa. And he was a guest speaker. But... Uh, and I was, I was looking about some things about him. And uh, after he got back, his life, uh, his life changed while he was there. And he said he'd never, he had never felt the presence of God more than he did while he was on the moon. And I can't imagine that. But let me read a quote by him, if you will. Or one who wrote his uh, biography. He says, uh, bibliography. Mark Ellis writes, He was so impacted by his God encounter that after returning home, he left his flying career behind to serve the Lord. His wife Mary said he made the decision while riding, a, riding in a ticker tape parade through New York and seeing the thousands of people lining the streets, quote, God dropped it in my heart that he had a responsibility to mankind to share Jesus with everyone after that. He resigned from NASA with, within the year, established the High Flight Foundation, a mission organization that built itself a goodwill ambassador for the Prince of Peace. Irwin's quoted as saying, God decided that he would send his son, Jesus Christ, to the blue planet and through faith in Christ that we can relate to God. And as I travel around, I tell people the answer is Jesus Christ. That Jesus walking on the earth is more important than a man walking on the moon. 
Irwin spent 20 years traveling the world, preaching the gospel, and also presenting small flags that he'd taken to the moon to the leaders of nations as means of opening the door to share Christ. Remarkable person. If you want to go online, you can, you can read about Jim Irwin. But uh, he found out, uh, it's, it's really interesting in how he reached a lot of people. He died at age 61, and so he didn't live very long. But uh, didn't have a long life, but he made a difference in what years he had left. Let me mention these announcements real quick. Remember, uh, this afternoon we have choir practice at 4 o'clock. Shane Clay's going to uh, finish up tonight with victory and spiritual warfare. I've enjoyed that study. I know you have if you've been here. And then a quarterly business meeting this coming Wednesday, April the 19th, after our Bible study time. And then Friday... Um, April the 21st, it's coming Friday, next Friday, from 6 p.m. to midnight. We're going to have uh, our secret church, and we're going to be studying the book of Jonah. So please, if you haven't signed up already, you can sign up. You can sign up online. Um, so I hope to see you here. We have about uh, have a few more books left, and so if you'd like to pick up a book, the, the, uh, the uh, study is free. But if you want a real good study guide, you can fill in some blanks and keep that just as a reference. Uh, those are $10, and you just pay for them when you get here. The refreshments are going to be taken care of. Kyle, did you have something you wanted to say? So, But anyway, everything's going to be taken care of, and uh, if you would, make sure you're here. We're going to be teaching on the covenants, uh, different covenants, and primarily the Abrahamic covenant. We have seven listed there. And I hope that uh, you'll be here for that study. Our Annie Armstrong Easter offering, uh, last week or to date, we've received $3,443. We'll receive this offering through the end of the month. So there's some envelopes there. And if you'd be so kind, help us reach our goal. Our goal's 5000 And so I hope you'll uh, uh, help us with that goal. Uh, let's stand. We're going to be dismissed. Thank you for being here. I'm going to ask uh, Terry if you'll just... Walk up and dismiss us. Trina, you're here. If you haven't had your picture made and uh, you attend church here, no matter if you're a member or just a friend of the church, we'd love to have you in our directory. And so if you would, see Karina right here on the front, right after church. It won't take um, 30 seconds. Well, it might take 40. But anyway, come. And she'll be glad to take your picture. We'd be glad to have you. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. God, we're looking forward to that day, dear Father, when you come back for us. Lord, I, Lord, I pray that you come quickly. God, I pray that we reach people that we love and tell them about you. Lord, that they be with us when you come. Lord, be with Shane as he finishes up his study tonight. Dear Father, I pray that you speak through him. Give him the words to say. Go with us for the remainder of the day, dear Father. Protect us. Bring us back.